We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Cleveland. The best location in the nation, home to the smartest, fastest, toughest, most productive, and best looking people on the planet. This is the Bob France Authority. Pete Kirsten now substituting for Bob. Regular listeners know that I'm Bob's regular Tuesday at 10 o'clock guest. I'm a lawyer, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights former member of the allegedly defunct 1776 Commission, established by President Trump and decommissioned by the alleged President Joe Biden in the first 10 minutes of his alleged presidency. Although the 1776 Commission is continuing to function unofficially, producing reports and initiatives to counter the ahistorical lunacy that's pervading much of the Biden administration and some of academia, too. I also appear on various Fox shows and Salem Radio, especially with my old friend and next California governor, Larry Elder, provided he can overcome Democratic cheating. With the exception of the 10 to 10.30 hour today, this is going to be Open Line Friday. At 10, we're going to be talking to Senate candidate Bernie Marino about what else? The disaster in Afghanistan. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the crisis at the southern border, which he calls an invasion, and why he spoke out against the shutdown over a year ago. I also want to ask him a little bit about uh, whether he takes corporate PAC money, etc. The telephone number, if you care to engage, and please do, is 888-281-1110. I'll say that again. 888-281-1110, or, and this is easier to remember, 
0945. 901-0945. So, one and all, please call. We're going to have some fun today, talk about all manner of things. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. So, this hour in 10, 30, 11 o'clock time slot, reserved solely for your calls and my bloviating. Now, uh, as some of you know, if you listen regularly, I've been on a campaign to have the Cleveland Browns have me on the football field, even though I'm an old, decrepit man, for one play. Now, uh, Coach Stefancic, if you are listening, I'm 6'2", 215. This morning I did reps for 325 pounds in the bench press. Don't know what my 40 time is anymore. Again, I'm an old man, been sitting high behind a desk practicing law, but I'm pretty fast. But more importantly, I am mean as heck. I am meaner than mean Joe Green, Dick Butkus, Lawrence Taylor, you name it. I am mean, and I will bite people if I'm on the football field. Put me in at wide receiver so I can do an out pattern so I don't get hit. Anyway, the last couple of times Bob had the poor judgment to allow me to guest host, I asked a question of you, the audience, that absolutely blew up the phone lines. In fact, we already have. <laughs> I see a number of callers holding. I'll tell you what that question was. We, we, it, it, this is uh, a question that I think is universal. We couldn't get to all the callers, but we have a little bit, bit more time today. And you don't have to necessarily address this. The question was, who or what is the biggest threat to America today? Is it China? Is it critical race theory? At the time, um, when I first posed this was back in early summer, I thought that the perniciousness of critical race theory was maybe the, per, was perhaps the, the most critical threat at the time. Is it big media and their lies and corruption? Is it illegal immigration? Afghanistan, obviously. And in terms of people, you know, I asked whether or not it was among other people, Anthony Fauci, Joe Biden. Now is it General Milley? Is it Secretary of Defense Austin? Afghanistan, there's so much infuriating to address there. Uh, when I was on Bob's show for my regular slot earlier this week, we did talk about many aspects of it. This is going to be something that's going to be talked about for decades, eons. It's going to go down in history, I believe, as to this point, the greatest disgrace committed by a commander-in-chief in American history. It was, and this may be our, la- our least concern as far as the principles concerned, but in terms of the reverberations, the repercussions, it is major, and that is it was a national humiliation. Um, I don't recall in my lifetime, and I've been around for a while, a humiliation quite on this scale or with this quality. And it was a self-inflicted humiliation, leaving Americans behind. Now, I will tell you that from my perspective and those of almost everyone I've ever spoken to, friends, family, acquaintances, um, to the extent we have discussed this, there was either a stated or more importantly, most often in my, my case, an unstated assumption that we had a compact with our government that included a number of things. But perhaps the most important and enduring was that our government would never forsake us. That's what made us unique as Americans. We were big, we were bad, we were powerful, and we believed ourselves to be good. As an aside, we could get into 
critical race theory, and all these other pernicious concepts that have eroded the concept that made us believe, and so many of our countrymen believe, that we are not fundamentally good. But nonetheless, we have this compact with the country, with, with our government, that no matter what happened, if we were in jeopardy, they'd come and get us. The cavalry was going to be coming over that, that hill, cresting over the hill with the flag waving. How many of us have been overseas or other locations and felt for a scant moment that maybe we're in jeopardy? Maybe we weren't, but we thought, uh-oh, we may have some problems. But we always had that resiliency. We had that belief that if things go really bad, our government is going to protect us. I remember the first time I went overseas, I was a young man. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away when the United States was in a different spot in the, in the uh, world affairs. And I thought I was invincible. First of all, everybody, the foreigners, loved us, loved Americans. They respected Americans. We respected ourselves. That's the first thing as a qualifier you have to do before anyone else is going to respect you. And I thought our government was a good government, essentially. I may have been naive. But I thought no matter what happened, somebody out there would send the cavalry to protect me. We can no longer be assured of that because with knowledge, with consciousness, our government said adios. And not only did they say adios, they set an artificial deadline to depart from Afghanistan of August 31st and then did a bait and switch, left on August 30th. First of all, it was bad enough that we had an artificial deadline. They violated the deadline. Instead, it'd be better if they had violated the deadline going in the opposite direction, departing instead on September 1, September 2, preferably until every single person was out of there. But no, without providing any notice, any forewarning, they depart, pull up the gates. That's it. Game over. You probably saw, or many of you saw, the narrative of one woman who repeatedly tried to gain entry into Hamid Karzai Airport, but was rebuffed because of our security forces, the Taliban, couldn't get through on five different occasions. The last time she tried was on August 30th, believing that she had at least a couple of more attempts available because the President of the United States had assured we are leaving August 31, and he had also assured several days before that that we will stay as long as it takes. We will leave, leave no Americans behind. Ha! As many people have now found out, you cannot trust anything Joe Biden says or that the water-carrying media says. So the planes leave, and she's sitting there saying, wait a minute. You told me August 31st. I thought I at least had another chance at this. I couldn't get through before because I was risking life and limb and the Taliban was beating people. I couldn't get through. I tried as hard as I could, and you said I had more opportunities to do so, so I thought hard about ways I could get in, where I, which gate I could go into, and yet you leave without telling anybody. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Unforgivable. And this is the kind of thing we must never forget. We will never forget. 
Um, I've got a number of people holding already. And you know what? Instead of going through a long, protracted intro, because there's so many people holding, and I'm afraid we may not get to everybody, let's go with the first. We're going to go in order. We're going to go with Charlie from, from Westlake. Can we get Charlie on, please? Charlie, you there? Hello, Charlie. You're there? He was there. It looks like he's still there. <laughs> we'll come to Charlie later. Oh, here we go. Sister Mary Grace from Old Brooklyn. I've spoken to her before. Can we go to Sister Mary Grace? Yes. God bless you. I'm praying for you, but I'm so excited because I got up early this morning, and I'm telling you, please go, everybody. Time to make America free, free again. Dot com. That's it. Just go. And I'll be praying for you always. Sister Mary Grace, can you can you repeat that one more time so everybody gets that? Yes. Time to make America free. And that's dot com. And the guy's name is Clay Clay Clark. But it's marvelous. And I already got one of Clay Clark Clark's books. It's a little thing, but he's an entrepreneur. And baby, he is so good. I am telling you, <laughs> I was just like so excited. And I'm telling you, I will go to one of his get-togethers because I lots of people come. Lots of people. So God bless you, and you're always in my prayers, Peter. And so is Larry Elder. Larry Elder <laughs> for California. Hello, Larry. Thanks very much. I got his books. Love you both. Bye. Thank you, sister. Appreciate it. And Larry is an old friend of mine. We go. I shouldn't even say how far we go back, but we go back decades. Um, we were... Uh, Partners in Crime, a long time ago on WVIZ, we'd appear on the radio uh, together, uh, have a good time. Uh, we were actually kind of like at the uh, at the beginning of the crest of conservative talk radio. It even was well before Rush had gained currency and uh, used to have a great time. Uh, Larry's a personal friend. He is... One of the smartest people, obviously, you're ever going to want to meet, and it's not just because he's, you know, pitching Relief Factor. And I saw he's got a new boat. He didn't even tell me about it, but I saw a commercial with him with his new speedboat. Uh, but he deserves it all. He would make a great, great, great governor. Let's go to Rebecca from Strongsville. Rebecca, are you there? Thank you for taking my call. Yes, Absolutely. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah. So. I have a question. I have a friend that works for a law firm, and um, 95% of the people there have had the uh, vaccine. And now that Pfizer has um, FDA approval, they're mandating that the few people that have not had it get it. One of the women is actually pregnant, too, and I'm just wondering... Uh, my friend could not get a an exemption from her doctor. Like, what kind of recourse do these people have who do not want to put the experimental vaccine in their bodies? Right. And I generally don't give legal advice over the air, and this is not legal advice. I'll just give kind of a 30,000-foot mm-hmm. perspective. First thing people have to understand is, with few exceptions, matters dealing with, for example, the Americans with Disabilities Act, maybe some FMA concerns, state and local statutes that may have restrictions on uh, requiring vaccines or any other kind of mandates that may have an effect on someone's 
health, or disability, employers have broad berth to require employees to do certain things. For example, uh, Delta Airlines recently announced that it was going to be fining employees, I think it was $200 and $250, I think per paycheck, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, uh, if they didn't get the man uh, the uh, vaccine. And the reason for that had a rational basis. You may agree or disagree with it. I'm opposed to mandating people take the vaccine, even on the private sector. The public sector is a different consideration because now you have state action and there are greater restrictions on it. But nonetheless, simply because something you, you may disagree with something doesn't mean it's not legal and vice versa. If it's legal, doesn't necessarily mean it's right or smart. But employers generally have very, very broad latitude to mandate that their employees, as a condition of employment, do certain things. And one of them is, um, uh, you know, take the vaccine. Again, if there are certain conditions, such as the, the vaccine may have a certain effect on the employee, there are, the person can demonstrate certain debilitating factors, maybe an underlying condition that would argue against taking the vaccine, that may be the most um, effective approach. But again, most employers, and not most employers, employers can impose a whole series of requirements as a condition of keeping a job. You do not yet, in the United States of America, have a right to a job. Better or worse, that's the case. Yeah. All right. So she needs to find another job. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what she needs to do, but, you know, maybe have a discussion yeah. with the HR person, see if there can be an accommodation of some sort. And that, by the way, yeah. I'm, I missed one thing that I always say is that on some occasions, uh, if an employee has a validly held religious objection to doing that, then, again, they have to go through the interactive process, seek some type of accommodation the employer does with the employee. But they, at the end of the day, uh, if it causes the employer an undue hardship to afford such accommodation, then the employee must either exceed or find another job. Right. All right. Well, well, thank you. You're welcome. Boy, we've got a lot of people. I'll tell you what, we are going to be going to break. I don't want to give anybody short shrift. And when we come back, I see Charlie's back again. And we've got several other people. We're going to get to your calls. We have plenty of time, I hope, to do so. Top of the hour, Bernie Marino. Pete Kersenow for Bob France. Looking for adventure in whatever comes our way. Yeah, darling, go make it happen. Take the world in a loving place. Fire all of your guns at once and explode into space. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, everybody. Pete Kersenow substituting for Bob France. Our great producer, Jonathan, playing Voodoo Child, especially for me. My theme song, we've got a number of people holding. I'm going to go in order, uh, at least in terms of the manner in which they've called, not necessarily in order of the uh, importance of matters that they want to speak about. I see Charlie's back. Charlie from Westlake, you there? Yes, Peter, I'm here. Thank you for taking the call. Absolutely. I, uh, thank, yeah, you're, you're doing a great job, too, by the way. I, I, I love when you talk. I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of yours for several years now. Oh, thank you so much. But, but anyways, um, what I was trying to impress upon Bob about a week or so ago is 
all this is too intentional. You know, we want, I think it's a big head fake that he's incompetent and he's uh, uh, got dementia and all that. I think it's a head fake. I think it's a game they're playing. I think this is all intentional. They want to bring the country down. I think Obama's fingerprints, he wanted to bring the country down for eight years with the, the Arab Springs and all that stuff going on. But I, I was trying to impress upon Bob that the way to get a, a crook like this is the money. You got to follow where he got his money. Like Dennis Prager said, how does a public employee become a billionaire? He's a public employee. He shouldn't have all this money. His brothers are billionaires. His daughters are billionaires. I mean, we didn't even hear about his daughters, but they're all up to their necks in this. You got to follow money. I said, we got Jimmy DeMora on a $25,000 bribe. We can get this. We go back 30 years to him taking bribes. He will resign if the pressure is on. And that's what I was trying to impress Bob about. Charlie, let me, a couple things. Number one is, uh, there's a lot of evidence out there that Joe Biden has a whole host of issues that would bring down anybody else if you're a Republican, especially. But that's the issue. He's not a Republican. And so the media, as we saw with the Hunter Biden laptop, which by itself is a titanic scandal, dwarfing anything the media has ever alleged even about Trump or any other Republican president. It's a huge scandal which suggests that Biden is compromised, not just by China, but by just about anyone else who may have had access. Right, He's exactly. a bribe taker. So, How but, do you get rich as a public employee? How and, do you and get Biden, wealthy? It's right, bribes. Biden has gotten rich, very, very wealthy. Again, you know, he was averaging probably no more than $100,000 a year in his 40-year uh, career. Um, but he is, I think he's worth $40 million now, if I'm not mistaken. But whatever the, the, the matter is, we have a press that will not investigate Democrats anywhere near the way they would, did, they would investigate Republicans. Until such time, and until the Republicans start getting, as Clint Easton would say, plum mad dog mean, maybe in the way of a Donald Trump, and that's why everyone hated him so much, this is not going anywhere, unfortunately. I see that we're going to be going to break. Everyone else, please hold on. Charlie, thanks so much for your call. We've got Tim from Chesterland, Jackie from Independence, Mark from Vera View Park, and others. Please stay on the line. We are going to get to Peakers now for Bob France. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer good morning cleveland pete curse now substituting for bob france we're having a lot of fun it's open line friday with the exception of the 10 to 10 30 hour but right now, reserved for your phone calls, and also 10.30 to 11, reserved for your phone calls. Number of callers holding, several for quite some time. We're going to go to Tim from Chesterlin. Tim, you there? Hello. Hi, Tim. Go on. Uh, calling uh, this morning regarding uh, uh, the Supreme Court ruling of a couple of weeks ago or so uh, against Joe Biden telling him to bring the standards of our southern border up to what President Trump had established. And so far, uh, he's ignoring that, of course. And I 
just curious as to what your ideas are about this. Yeah, if I recall correctly, if, if I'm understanding your question, I think it has to do with the remain in Mexico policy that Trump had instituted, which was, first of all, a smart thing to do, the right thing to do, and an effective deterrent to people coming into the United States because they didn't just get a free pass once they crossed the border. They'd have to remain in Mexico until their asylum claims were properly adjudicated. So that stemmed the flow considerably. Now, it didn't you know completely shut it off because people would come in and not even care about any asylum claim because, unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to police our interior in that regard. But in any event, the Supreme Court said must reinstitute the remain in Mexico policy. There's a host of reasons for that. I will tell you as a preliminary matter, I did not read the Supreme Court ruling, only read about it, and I'm always reluctant to opine about something, especially a legal matter, unless I've read it, of course. I'm just, you know, I happen to be a lawyer. But my understanding is that if, for example, the, the Biden administration promulgated this without going through the appropriate procedures. Now, this is something I do do. I, I do litigate, you know, Administrative Procedure Act matters. You've got to go through certain hoops before you can institute or deinstitute certain policies that have been properly established. Biden didn't do it, simply issued an edict, as he did with the 1776 Commission, as I said at the outset, simply issued edicts saying, I'm getting rid of things that are that Trump are doing. They did these things, by the way, Tim, without giving proper consideration to whether or not Trump's policies were good, bad, or indifferent. They were simply Trump's policies. So they had to be pulled off, just ripped off like a, you know, a, a bandage from a scab and thrown away without any kind of deliberation whatsoever. And we're seeing the consequences of that. This is horrific what's happening at the southern border. Uh, depending upon which calculations... Uh, you believe, we're looking at 1 to 1.2 million illegal aliens that have come across the border. I would suggest it's probably more than that. This is just since January. The estimates are 2 million will cross this year alone. We don't know who they are. And these are all estimates because it's based on the number of people we capture and certain other metrics that the Border Patrol uses in terms of overflights and things like that. They make certain estimates. But we have no idea. And then they disappear into the interior with the assistance of the Biden administration. The Biden administration, any administration, has the responsibility for securing the border of the United States. You have no border, you have no sovereignty. Especially in a time of avowed uh, attempts by terrorist organizations to hit the country. And in this environment, especially after Afghanistan, my goodness, this is one of the most profound Found derelictions of duty. I said at the outset, I could never even imagine a United States that would never come for its citizens, would never rescue its citizens, that would leave anybody behind. But now, not only are we leaving people behind, but we're leaving the back door wide open so our adversaries can come into this country and hurt us. And it will happen, unfortunately. You can bank on it, and that is one of the most profound derelictions of duty ever. Tim, thanks so much for your call. Love to talk more, but let's get to Jackie and Independence. Jackie, are you there? Yes, Peter. Good morning. Um, I have to tell you, I know very little about foreign policy, but there's three issues. That, that makes I two of us. Cannot, I just cannot wrap my brain around about this Afghanistan evacuation. One is, why weren't we getting Americans and our Afghani friends out a little at a time over the past, I don't know, six months? They've known we're going to be leaving. Two, 
why did the U.S. allow the students to go over there with their families most recently, the ones that are just over there, I think they're from California, that just went over, what, in June or something? How did they even allow a passport to a country that they knew we were going to be evacuating and that was troublesome? Um, and then three, I, can, is there a possibility that we can ever demand that Americans leave a country legally so we don't have a hostage situation? I know some people may be there because they have family there and and they want to stay with them if they can't get their family over here. But American citizens that are, I don't understand why we can't force them at that point when the country's going to go to hell in a handbasket like it did and we were evacuating and there was no protection for them from from our embassies or anything there that um, we couldn't have ordered them to leave. Yeah. Jackie, those are all great questions. And frankly, you should be working for the State Department because some of these questions should have been considered by yeah. our betters in the State Department. It was mind-boggling the things that they didn't consider. And then when they considered things, they would take the 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 worst possible alternative to implement. It was truly extraordinary what we were watching on the ground. I, I think I mentioned to Bob in one of my more recent appearances that uh, I took a vacation, one of uh, my first one in five years, but I took a vacation, turned off everything. I was not aware of what was transpiring in Afghanistan for the first several days that it was happening. And when I turned it on, the first thing I thought, and I remember seeing an interview of a five-year-old boy about what was going on in Afghanistan, but it was a cascade of inanities, a cascade of failures. Every single thing that they did, every decision seemed to be almost calculated to blow up. I couldn't, it just blew my mind. But why can't we bring them out gradually? Good question. Based on that phone call that Biden made to Ghani in early July, it was clear he had been contemplating taking people out. He didn't tell anybody, though. He was instructing Ghani to remember to lie, to correct the perception in order to have or to maintain continued American assistance. It is the obverse of the alleged horrible call that Trump made to Ukraine of which he was impeached that the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, were apoplectic about. But this one has consequences. It had real-world consequences. We were at war. We may not have thought we were at war, but the Taliban thought we were at war. And war, a war in which there were terrorists, we had Americans in theater, and yet nothing was done. We didn't even give anybody a heads up that, hey, maybe at some point, even quietly, hey, we may be... Uh, getting out of here, and you should make preparations, therefore. If you want to come with us, fine. If you have alternate preparations, nothing was done. But you're right. We could have done this over a period of time. We are finding out that Biden made the decision to pull out as early as April. Then, students, I have no idea why the students were there. Not a smart move, but many of them had relatives in Afghanistan, from what I understand. The reports say that uh, the two school districts where there's a, high, a group of high school students and others that went to Afghanistan, many wanted to go visit relatives. Um, I wouldn't have done so. I wouldn't have let my kids do so. But, you know, they're Americans, and they may have been laboring under the assumption that I mentioned at the top of the hour that I had labored under when I went overseas as a, a young man, that no matter what, if things came to worse, I'd be okay because I'm an American. And let's face it, we had troops there, armed protectors there. So what 
could happen to us. Again, I would not have done it. I wouldn't have counseled anybody to do it. But the fact that we left them behind, students behind, extraordinary, extraordinary. I don't care if we left anybody behind, but leaving someone that defenseless behind and still behind enemy lines. And then with respect to demand, uh, having, you know, uh, the government demand that American citizens leave, we're still a free country. Yes, the American government, the State Department, would tell Americans, you need to leave the country. But there's no means by which they can enforce that, really. There's no nothing they can do. There's no mandamus action or anything else like that. They can restrict travel in the first instance so that you can't go to. And, you know, if you've got a passport, you can take a look at the back of your passport. It's got certain restricted travel areas. But once in country, if they've permitted you to do that, they don't have a whole lot of mechanisms by which to get you back. So I hope that answers your question, so, Jackie. So... But then in the case of the students, couldn't the Passport Bureau or whoever not allow them to travel to that country? Couldn't that have been a restricted country? Sure, it could be. Absolutely it could be. But and, and it wasn't. Apparently not, because they got over there well, pretty clearly. There and you, you would hope That's that... That's smart our State Department is. Ex- well, you would hope that our State Department coordination with the White House, knowing that they were going to be pulling out, would have made every provision possible take care of every contingency to protect every american we are paying they are on the verge of of taking 3.5 trillion of our tax dollars spreading it around for no good purpose other than to increase inflation and the prospects of the democratic party and yet with all that money they can't do the fundamental job of protecting american citizens this was unforgivable a disgrace on steroids there's no way of overstating the calamity that joe biden and the democrats created and remember this is about democrats also because as many of you have heard in the news just a couple days ago the republicans in the house of representatives did what very often happens they don't do a whole lot necessarily but they asked for a moment of silence in honor of the 13 americans killed as the result of joe biden's incompetence and dereliction of duty a moment of silence on the house floor every single republican participated not one democrat could be troubled to do so remember when aoc staged that fake photo opportunity on the southern border where she was crying profusely yep. at what turned out to be a parking lot, and the media went along in perpetuating yep. that fraud. She's crying about illegal aliens coming across the border. She can't observe a moment of silence for brave men and women killed because of democratic incompetence. On top of that, I, the Republicans had uh, uh, proposed a resolution, a, a resolution that required one simple thing, that the Biden administration propose a plan for how they're going to extract the remaining Democrats. Democrats couldn't trouble themselves to vote for even that. That is shameful, Jackie. I, I can't. I, I told Bob um, the last time I appeared on the show with after Afghanistan came to the fore. I said, "Keep your finger on the dump button, Bob," because as an attorney, I generally try to be as moderate and moderate my comments as much as possible. But if this doesn't get you apoplectic, nothing will. This is an abomination. Um, You're absolutely see. right. And they're, and they're the purely deplorable ones. A- absolutely. Uh, you know, there is so much to say about what has happened with respect to Afghanistan. We could go through this for the next several hours, and maybe we'll have an opportunity to engage in the discussion again. Jackie, thanks very much for your call. Do you think we can go to Mark still? Do we have enough time for Mark? Mark, Fairview Park, you there. Mr. Kersedout, I just want to say it's really an honor to speak with you. You know, 
even when I go to get groceries and that, and you come on the radio, I'm still sitting out in the car for an hour before I even go in the store. Well, thanks uh, so much. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, you had a previous caller talked about people getting wealthy in office. And uh, I, I, I have a book that I uh, delve into every once in a while. It's called The Best Years of Our Life by Lance Morrow. And, uh, you know, LBJ, by the time he, well, by the time 1948, he was always bragging that he was a millionaire. But one of his top, uh, one of his big friends was a cement contractor who got the, who got the, uh, the contract for building runways in Vietnam, especially, forget the smaller ones, especially Da Nang, which we flew in there many, many times, and it was huge. Uh, so you got this dirt farmer from Texas, uh, a crude dirt farmer, who by the time he gets out of office is a multimillionaire. But that's all I want to say about that. Uh, on the 12th, I was watching the news, and I knew what was going on, because at that time, uh, you know, Vietnam started to fall. Every, And I'm watching on the 12th, every time you blink, they're taking over more provinces, same as in 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, we flew in there. I was in 130s, and I was in C-130s for four years. We were flying in there, taking people out. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm watching the TV the other night, and all of a sudden they, they have 130s are leaving there, you know, with maybe flat tires or whatever. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I was actually close to these planes for four years, and they're handing them over to, the, to, the, to these, these savage, greasy-bearded mountain hillbillies. I, could, I, I don't know how much of this stuff I can take. Second of all, I was at the pound yesterday. I volunteer with dogs and that. And the girls were telling me they saw on TV that the military left left all their uh, their shepherds in that there. And then I got a call last night uh, from my brother-in-law said they actually, Taliban actually killed them. Well, all I know is that the officer who gave the command to leave those dogs there, the guy ought to be summary court-martialed and shot. That's the way I feel about it. Last thing I wanted to say is, you know, you, you learn in history about the like, siege of Sevastopol. You learn about uh, the, the siege on Berlin, how these things were conducted. Uh, Kabul is a huge city. I've had friends over there I was in the Army with. And, uh, by the way, I was in the Air Force and Army both. I got out of the Air Force and went into the Army. I wanted to have my feet on the ground. <laughs> but, uh, anyhow, the, uh, it's a huge city. How in the hell, how was it taken over? By these savages who drive in in pickup trucks? I mean, it, it baffles me, you know, a large city like that. Even when Saigon fell, uh, the, the, the North Vietnamese were coming in, and the, uh, uh, they were coming in in tanks, knocking down the gates to the presidential palace. And that's all I have to say, Peter. Thank you very much for your well, time. it was a mouthful, Mark, and thanks so much for your comments. They were outstanding. A lot to respond to there. I don't know if we're going to have time to do so. I'll try to do it at the other side of this commercial break. It's Open Line Friday. Bob France Authority, Pete Kersnow substituting. Give us a call. We're going to try to get to you either before the top of the hour or after the bottom of the next hour, which will again be Open Line Friday. Good morning, Cleveland. This is Pete Kirsten, substituting for Bob France on the Bob France Authority. We've had a number of outstanding callers during this hour. It is open line Friday, with the exception of the next 
half hour, but then after that we'll resume Open Line Friday. We've discussed a number of important topics, everything from max, uh, vaccine mandates to Afghanistan, you name it, government corruption. There's so much to address here. We only have a couple of minutes left, so we d- can't be really fair to anybody else, but please call in at the bottom of the hour. We're going to be talking to Bernie Marino at the top of the hour, who's a candidate for the nomination, Republican nomination for Senate. Um, one of our callers previously we were talking about how did Biden get rich and, you know, we can examine that to this. But, you know, one of the questions that I've got and many of you probably have is who is running the White House? It is clear Joe Biden is not doing so. If we had a competent and non-corrupt press corps, they would be asking those questions not just of Jen Psaki, but of Joe Biden himself. When he says, for example, well, they gave me a list of who I'm supposed to talk to. Who's they? He's the President of the United States. Who is commanding the most powerful man in the world what to do? Then he says, I'm supposed to talk to so-and-so. I'm supposed to call on so-and-so. Who is telling him to do that? Somebody. Some competent, some self-respecting member of the media. Please ask him who's doing that. This is an abomination. He falls asleep while meeting with the Israeli prime minister, one of our biggest, most important allies. He looks at his watch, and there's no doubt that's what he did. He was looking at his watch while receiving the brave men and women who gave their lives because of his monumental stupidity. He can't be troubled to spend a couple of seconds at attention in honor of those brave men and women. A, a, just an abomination. I have never, ever, ever been ashamed of the United States of America. I still am not ashamed of the United States of America. Joe Biden does not represent what is the best about the United States of America. But I am ashamed of who purports to be president. This was a disgrace on steroids. Remember the call he made to Prime Minister Ghani of Afghanistan. Focus on that because our media was so apoplectic about what Donald Trump, as Donald Trump said, it was a perfect phone call, and it was. There was nothing wrong with that phone call. But Adam Schiff lied about it. The media lied about it. Everybody on the Democratic side tried to make it seem like he had just committed the greatest act of treason in the history of the United States of America. But when Joe Biden tells surreptitiously the Afghan president, hey, you got to make this stuff look better, even if it's not true, and he was fully cognizant of the fact that the Taliban was on the march but left that fact unknown to the American people, apparently, according to Pelosi and others, that's not something worthy of any consideration. And it wasn't worthy of of the Democrats' consideration to at least stand for a moment of silence in the well of the House to honor the brave men and women. Remember this, not one Democrat honored those people with a moment of silence. Not one. The Democrats will abandon you. And I say to my friends, my black American friends in the cities, once they get your vote, Democrats have habitually 
abandoned us habitually. Look at Chicago, 90 years, pure Democrat rule. It's a hellhole right now. Look at Detroit, 70 years, pure Democrat rule. It's a hellhole. Look at almost every major city, pure Democrat rule. They take your vote and then abandon you. Unforgivable. This is Pete Kersenow, Bob France Show. We will be back at the top of the hour with Bernie Marino. And then at the bottom of the hour, give us a call. We're going to be addressing all manner of issues of importance.